Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Business Radio. Brought to you by Practice Quotient. Practice Quotient bridges the gap between the provider and payer communities. Now here's your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Hi there, friends of the dental business community. This is your host, Patrick O'Rourke. Thank you so much for joining us today on Dental Business Radio. Sponsored by Practice Quotient, PPO analysis and negotiation. If you're a top-tier doc and you're not being compensated as such, you might want to give them a call. Um, Another thing to think about sometimes is who has signing authority in your practice for $100,000 or more? Because if you're getting counsel on that, you should be careful. So consult the professionals at Practice Quotient, uh, PPO analysis and negotiation, www.practicequotient.com. Or you can call their offices at 470-592-1680. Now, uh, on to the show. I am here with Dr. Ryan Vaughn of Gainesville, Georgia. How are you today, Ryan? I'm doing well, Patrick, and yourself? I'm doing terrific. I am COVID-free and ambulatory at the time. Keep it that way. Yeah. So I got that going for me. It's it's a streak, you know, and I'd like to keep the streak alive for as long as possible, for sure. So I appreciate you joining us today. Now, Ryan is a pediatric specialist from Gainesville, Georgia, and the name of his practice is Kids Dentistry of North Georgia. Uh, Ryan is also involved uh, very intimately with uh, the professional community uh, here in Georgia, the Georgia Dental Association. Um, Can you, you... Tell us a little bit, do you want to start with your practice or do you want to start with um, kind of your endeavors and your efforts in uh, professional circles? Um, I, well, I, I'll start with the GDA stuff first because that's more high level. Um, I've been uh, pretty involved with the GDA now for about 10 years. Uh, it started out doing uh, special events like uh, Give Kids a Smile and Children's Dental Health Month, which is actually this month. Um uh, since 2010, the uh, Give Kids a Smile, unfortunately, this year is it usually happens this coming Friday. Mm-hmm. But it, uh, the, so it's the first Friday of every year in February. But this year, it's obviously been held off pretty much throughout the entire country because of COVID. Um, but Children's Dental Health Month is still continuing. That's the month of February. A lot of times we go into schools and uh, just teach kids other people about dental hygiene and all that fun stuff. But even that's been put a little bit of a damper on. So we're having to do it mostly through zoom and stuff now because that's unfortunate because we usually just go into the schools and do assemblies and stuff like that and mm-hmm. hand out supplies and stuff. But it, uh, it is what it is. We just got to find different ways to get the message out there about making sure that people keep their hygiene up because it's the entryway to the body for a lot of stuff. Sure. <laughs> Sure. What? So, and I'll tell you another thing about kids. So I think it's really important. So I have two small children and daddy's been telling them to brush their teeth every single day for their entire life. And then all of a sudden somebody comes into the school and hands them a, to- a little toothbrush and toothpaste. Not that I didn't give that to them before. And they're like, daddy, brushing your teeth is important. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. Well, children don't listen to their parents. I mean, that's par for the course. I have five of them, so. Yes. They, I know full well on that. You're like the god of fertility. No, 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 no. Don't stand too close. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Sorry. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. So do you have to, do you get to your older kids and you say, do the older kids kind of then teach the younger kids there? If you have like, what's the age distance between the oldest to the youngest in your household? Oh, well, my oldest is about to be 13 and my youngest is one and a half. Um, we had, we had four right in a row. We were 13, 11, 10, and almost eight. Um, and then we thought we were done and then we had a surprise number five. Um, I would tell you that it's, it's not, it's just kind of random in all families. I mean, from all my patient base that I can tell as well, um, that, Children, they, they start off doing a fairly decent job brushing their teeth. And I think it goes with, with hygiene in general. Then they get to be about tween years and then early teenage years. And then especially with boys, they don't like to do it. Mm-hmm. Now, my son is the exact opposite. He's way, way more hygienic than his sisters by far. Really? Yeah, which is kind of odd. And he's number two. Um, but yeah, you see it a lot in the, in, in practice that the, the, uh, that's when hygiene really falls off and you have to be really, really up on it because the parents, they're like, well, they're old enough now. They should be able to do it on their own. And I'm like, yeah, but you still need to encourage them and make sure that they do it. And then they start uh, uh, taking interest in, in other people and how their appearance is to other people. And then that's when things start to progress and start to get a lot better. So usually about 15 or 16, then they start having a lot better hygiene and all around, especially toothbrushing as well. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes total sense. Uh, I mean, my son's 10, um, and, you know, he certainly, we have to explain, you played soccer and basketball for the past few hours, and you stink. <laughs> Don't go to bed like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, Make him wash his sheets, then maybe he'll uh, th- do that a little bit better. This is uh, one of the things I've been telling my wife, actually. I'm like, listen, it, they're capable kids, you know, have them help you with the laundry. Absolutely. You know, that, that'll teach them not to leave everything, you know, inside out and not to put mud on it. I'm going to start making my son pay for his own shoes. He's like, I love these shoes. These shoes are great. When I was growing up, I didn't get Adidas. I didn't get Nikes, you know, and he's like, look at these shoes. They're so great. And then he runs in the mud, like right straight into the mud. And I'm like, (laughs) do you know how much your shoes cost on? No. Yep. Yep. I know that full well. Yeah. So, so. Do, are, do, are you guys doing the hand-me-downs? So I've got a boy and a girl, oh, yes. so we can't do that. Yeah, we've got uh, all the girl stuff is hand-me-down. The boy, uh, obviously, it's not. Um, not at all. But he hands his stuff down to his cousins because he's got some younger cousins, but he's the oldest. So all his stuff, and, and the girls kind of get a little ticked off about that, that he gets a lot of the, the new stuff. but. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you got four, you got three sisters because there's four girls, and then it's going to happen that way. So, all right. I'm like, hey, listen, you want my job is to keep you alive. That's right. Are you alive? Mission accomplished. Yeah. I have a, I have this little saying in my basement. Uh, um, it's from Alcatraz Prison. It says, "You're entitled to food, clothing, and medical attention. That's it. All, <laughs> all the rest you have to earn." Right. So. Um, so some of that stuff is on hold and sure. we are trying to do some education, you know, um, in various ways. Um, and so outside of that, so children's, I did not know it. So it's this is February. So February is children's dental health awareness month. 
Yeah, it's yeah, Children's Dental Health Month, CDHM. Gotcha. Okay. So hashtag, we'll make sure to promote that. Uh, John Ray, the producer there, he's on it. John Ray, the unofficial mayor of North Fulton County. Uh, he's with us today. So outside of that, what then is, what are you working on with the GDA? So you're doing 10 years. You did some volunteer work. Then sure. you started to get involved, uh, get on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, and that in itself is like a second job. Speaking to somebody who's spent some time on professional boards. Um, so just tell me about that journey and what you're proud of and what you're working on now. Um, well, I went through leadership within the Northern district mm-hmm. um, and just whatever has been needed to be done. That's what I do. I mean, if they ask me to do something then, then we, that's, I'll get it done. Um, and then after that uh, I've been a, a delegate because we have our, hierarchy structure that we have a house of delegates and a trust, a board of trustees. Mm-hmm. Um, and then about three or four years ago, I became a board of trustee member and I've been one, uh, since then. Um, and I've also in the past couple of years become a delegate for the American dental association as a whole. Mm. So we, we go out there every year to, uh, to do their house of delegates cause they only have one a year. Um, and it's usually in different places, obviously around the country because they rotate it so that more as many people can get to them as possible. Sure. Um, and, uh, I will tell you a, the GDA under the watch of the, the executive director who came on in, in, uh, 2014, I believe maybe 2013, a little bit closer. Sorry. Um, has, uh, I mean, just a, done a tremendous 180 and uh, the the association has done more for us especially in this past year with covid um than could have ever been expected and and I'm grateful for them and I'm glad and to be part of it to be honest with you so who's the the director that you're mentioning um the executive director mm-hmm. is uh Frank Capaldo Frank so Frank great job thank you very much so Ryan Vaughn wants to give you a shout out. Uh, I've met Frank as well before. Uh, also Scott LaFranco over there, I think does a terrific job. Oh yeah. He, he is our, um, attorney and, uh, or general counsel, I should say. And he, uh, does a lot of lobbying for us down at the Capitol. Yeah. So what's been interesting to me, you know, I'm from the insurance industry and there's, when I talk to clients in other states, and some shenanigans are going on. I sometimes I ask them and I'm like, well, what is the, and I don't want to call anyone out specifically, but, um, it's, I'm like, well, what is, what does your state dental association say about that? And they're like, um, well, they really haven't said anything, you know? And one time there's, there's one certain company that, I'm not going to mention either. A big insurance company was doing something that was adverse to the interests of the provider community. And so I said, well, what does your state dental association say about that? And they're like, well, you know, the board went to the carrier and the carrier said this. And so that's what we're going to have to do. And I'm like, why are you asking the carrier? You know, that's like asking the fox in the hen house. Like, hey, are you warm? Would you like a blanket? Hey, would I put a knife and a fork? You know, you want some Ginsu knives, a barbecue set? What's going on? And I was like, you really need to tell the board to get their head out of their their, their hind quarters. And one of the partners pipes up and he goes, Pat, I'm on the board. And I said, 
Well, Bob, you need to get your head out of your hindquarters. <laughs> I bet that went over real well. I, I couldn't see his face, so I don't know. But I mean, you've known me for a while. I don't change much, no. you know. And so, kind of what you see is what you get. I'm like Popeye. Um, and if I feel a certain way, it's not going to change just because somebody that person is in the room. I think I'm polite, but I'm you know kind of firm in you know the way I feel about things. Um, and I'm also open to folks changing my mind. And so it was, it was just surprising to me that there's and I've had other clients describe their state associations as feckless um which is not a good word right oh, um, no. and as far as advocacy and protecting the interests of their members um for sure the georgia dental association understands that and is proactive you know they don't just sit and wait yeah we strive to, to do as, as much as we can for our profession and and our uh, and our members because that's I mean, what else should we be doing? I mean, that's that's what our charter is. And uh, by doing that, then we protect the population of this state. And it, it's that that's what's the most important thing is, is the patients. So, mm -hmm. um, but we couldn't do it without the, the profession. And so that's what we're here to protect. Do you think that access, it, it just on a state basis, not in Gainesville, um, but do you think that there's struggle with access to oral health care in outstate? Is that something that you guys talk about? Yeah, we talk about it quite often um, in the rural parts of the state, especially the very rural parts like uh, um, northeast part of the state in the mountains or in, and definitely in the southwest and the southeast, far far south of Savannah. It, uh, it, it can be a challenge. Um, you know, we ran a study several years back and there was – there were counties – in this state that didn't even have a dentist. Um, now we've, we've done our best to try and mitigate that as much as we can. Um, but even still with that study, we found that pretty much the entire population of the state within a 30 to 45 minute drive could get to a dentist. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's a lot of, a lot of the access issue. There is, there is a, 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 I guess the best way to describe it is you, it, it falls on both ends because you've got the patients who just are unwilling to go to the dentist because of whether it's fear, monetary, and other issues. They just they just won't go. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have some where there's, there is – you've got dentists there, but they just can't handle the caseload because it's just – it's so overwhelming with the, the number of people that are there and the, the few dentists that are there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's, it's a balancing act. I don't, I, I don't want to sound like, um, people, I guess the best way to say it is there's, there's a real big push, um, within certain circles that say that access is just completely like there's the access problem is a huge, huge issue. Like it's, it's the paramount number one issue. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's a, as much of a provider issue as that they make it out to be. It, there is a component to that, but I think there's a lot of other factors in there as well. I, I would completely agree with you, you know, and you take it, just take a step back. You know, I like to push the argument sometimes to the complete and exaggerated other side. Um, was there more access 50 years ago? 
Um, you know, well, I mean, I, there are more members of the GDA now, so I would imagine that there were fewer dentists, but the population was also less at the same time. So uh, fair it's, point. It's, it's kind of hard to, to say one way or the other, but I would tell you that uh, the, the number of, of single dentist offices has declined, but the number of dental offices as a whole has gone up. Because mm-hmm. you're counting the difference between single independent practices versus you know, corporate. Correct. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, corporate dentistry. So, you know, in my mind, I, I watch this stuff all the time and just full disclosure, we have, you know, corporate client, oh, sure. clients as well, independent, you know, um, it just depends on the client, what their needs are. Um, and so the corporate dentistry definitely does some good things, but right in, so I'm, there's no, but so corporate dentistry does do some good things. And just like any segment of any type of population, there's some, um, good ones and there's some, um, not so good ones. Um, and you could say the same thing to be fair about independent practitioners. Absolutely. And so the, uh, but right now I feel like there's a crescendo of consolidation. You know, yes. it is, it's, it, I've been watching an ebb and flow for the past 10 years. And right now it is just uh, like, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and so what does that mean to organize dentistry, if anything? Well, you know, the, the DSOs or the dental service organizations um, that are mostly a lot of the corporate practices, uh, they tend to do their own advocacy. And so, and, and they do uh, participate within the ADA and its tripartite organization, but they do do a lot of their own stuff as well. Um, and so it's, you can look at it two ways. You can see it um, that when they're working in concert, it makes it even more imperative upon legislation and stuff within government circles. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are some times where things run counter to the ADA or the GDA. And, and in those cases, we try to work together as much as we can to make sure that we find some type of common goal. Mm -hmm. Um, because they, they, the corporate model, uh, is, is here and it's, it's not going to go away. It's just only going to get more and more involved in the, in the profession itself. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where you, there's no sense in trying to fight it we should try to work together to just make our profession better and to help the patients in this, in this country. Yeah, I totally agree. And I've, you know, it's something that I've talked about, um, you know, during my lectures. And so there's, I think it's changed quite a bit, but there used to be sort of a, a theater like, Oh, corporate dentistry. Like it's just some boogeyman. And I'm like, I said, listen, here's the deal. And I would tell my clients this, like you're a business owner. Sure. Handle your business. You can't control what happens outside of your business. You know, so you do what you do and be the best that you can be and everything, all the chips will fall into place. But one, you know, worrying about the boogeyman, that's like worrying about, you know, whether Vladimir Putin is listening to my conversation right now. What's up, Vlad? How you doing, bud? Um, at least it's not Vlad the Impaler it, it, that we know of. <laughs> Sorry. That's the problem with victims that are ashamed to speak out. (laughs) Yeah, I will tell you, um, being, I do have an associate, but uh, owning my own practice, 
the dentistry stuff, man, I love it. I absolutely love it. And it's, it's why I do what I do every day, but, but running a business, I was not built to do that. And that's, that's a very difficult struggle. And so that's what attracts a lot of the people to, to corporate models is that you get to go in there, you get to practice your dentistry Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about that other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it uh, that coupled with um, the increasing student debt uh, that that uh, kids are coming out of school with, uh, they just it's very, very, very attractive to sure. go into that to that type of practice coming out of school. I've, yep, I've, I've heard that. And I've seen some of them do uh, a very good job and, you know, on a track. And so. It's difficult to own a business. And like one of the reasons why I started the show, like being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart. Oh, no. You know, uh, I I was reading a book the other day and I'll give a shout out in the show notes to 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 the author. And in the first chapter, he's like, well, so owning a business is the biggest challenge you've ever had. All right. It's not like marriage is hard, right? Raising kids is hard, huh? Graduating from school is hard. Um, winning, you know, winning a fight, winning a championship, anything is hard, but owning a business and running a business and doing it successfully is the biggest challenge you'll ever face in your life. You are now the chief everything officer. Yeah. Um, and I thought that that was awesome. Um, and check out the show notes and I'm going to put a link to the book uh, on that just for the audience. Um, because I found that to be pretty powerful and I told him that. Um, so, you're absolutely right. And, but there, there certainly is, I feel like there's two different types. There's the, uh, I don't want to say old school, new school, but that's kind of how I formed it in my head is that you have like an old school where you have the docs that are like, well, you just hang your shingle out there and you're like, Hey, I'm, I'm the dentist in town. And you know, people come in, you know, they, then that's that. And then you have the new school. Um, and maybe they're going to go to corporate. I think that there's certainly some people that are attracted to that, or maybe they've tried it out and they've realized, wow, I didn't know any of this stuff. And so I need to kind of learn about it first, but then there's some that are definitely entrepreneurial mindset. Absolutely. And like they're they're they want to build their own game, then their own empire. Um, and, and, you know, they're, they're working on, it. they work on their craft, they have their mastermind alliance, you know, and so, uh, hats off to all of them. I really like, I get a kick out of them, their energy and their enthusiasm. I mean, to be able to do both, that's a, that I, my mind is not wired that way, but the, a lot of people are, and they, I mean, they do a really, really good job with it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and it's, you know, it's managing people would be easy if it, if it wasn't for the people. That's true. You know, that's, <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Yeah. Um, that's what I was told. And so that's, you know, there's, there's not how much business talk or business subject matter is there in your insanely expensive dental school? We had, a, I think one class, it was split up over two semesters. Um, during that class, we had to learn how to set up a dental office um, and uh, write a business plan, present it, and try and get funding and then learn how to uh, design an office for what you want to do and number of patients and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, right, you're in the middle of doing all of your other coursework and seeing patients for, for uh, doing crowns and bridges and stuff like that to get stuff accomplished to graduate. And so it's almost like playing monopoly. Like 
you you learn a little bit about real estate, but you really don't know about real estate playing Monopoly. And so it, it, you get – I, I learned how to – like I said, I had to present a business plan because I had to start my own practice and all that. And I didn't have to design my own practice because I went and restarted an old dental office mm-hmm. uh, for pediatrics, uh, which took that part away. Um, but it, it – it was a stepping stone. Like it was a start, but it wasn't a, it wasn't in my opinion, it wasn't enough mm-hmm. for, for going out there. And in, cause once you're out there and you're like sitting there waiting for the phone to ring and your only employee is your wife and that's, you sit and sit and sit and then, and then things started to finally, once that, once that ball started rolling, it, it, it went just fine. But that initial shock is, Mm-hmm. It's something else that you're not prepared for. And I don't even think that even if you had like a full fledged like class throughout all four years of dental school, that, that it would still prepare you enough for, for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll tell you, I wasn't prepared. Um, you know, I went, I left corporate America and I had a lot of good mentors and still do. And, but, um, you know, it was like, Pat it takes five years. I'm like, five years. Let me show you something. I'm ready for that. Five years. That's too long. Five years goes by in a blink of an eye. And I'm like, oh, I see what they're talking about. That's, you know, now you've kind of finally find your groove. Um, and sometimes I get calls, usually around July, right? I get calls from kids and they're like, oh, hey, I heard you're real good. And so I want, I just closed on a practice or we're about to open our doors. Uh, and it's like a Friday, you know, and oh, yeah. on Monday. And so I need really high fee schedules and I want to be credentialed on Monday. All right. Make, can you make that happen. I only got 10 minutes before my next patient. And yeah. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's not going to happen. Right. And so nobody explained what credentialing is to you and you know, how much leverage do you have and how much access do you want to have to these various pools of discount insurance patients? Have you thought about any of that? And he's, what are you talking about? You know? Um, and so it's, I feel like we sh- are, we want part of what I like to do is educate. And unfortunately when I went to schools, um, I get in there and, um, I spend a lot of time, you know, I, and I'm like, so nobody told you about any of the stuff. I got my whiteboard going and they're like, no. And so I feel, it makes me feel good. Cause I feel like I'm educating them. But at the same time, I feel like I'm throwing a stone in the ocean. Yeah, exactly. You know? And I, it's like, somebody has to tell you about all of this other stuff because the bullets are live, right? The meter's running and it's your money, baby. You know, yeah, it's a great business, right? Because, you know, your market is people with teeth within three miles of you. That's pretty awesome. But you have to be able to not just be confident and effective in your clinical skills. You need to be able to articulate that value out to the people with teeth that want to keep them, right? Sure. Tell me kind of how you've built the prestigious reputation that you have and enjoy in Gainesville. Um, okay. Hey, I, when we uh, get a break, I want to come back to the insurance cause I was going to say something uh, to that effect. Cause that was one of the more difficult things to deal with when starting a business is insurance. Uh, when I built my practice, I built it, uh, similar to the way I practice in residency. When I did residency, I had a very unique experience. Uh, we had a a clinical and didn'tic side with uh some really really uh 
awesome professors. But then it was also split halfway with uh, Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And so we did a lot of, of hospital style dentistry with a lot of special needs patients and stuff like that. And so I learned how to uh, be both in a, in a practice setting and also in a hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And so I, tra- I translated that to my own practice. And so um, I try to treat children to the best that I can. And I, I, I have different levels of, of obviously treating children, whether or not we just do it with them just sitting in the chair, if they're cooperative enough to do it that way. Um, or we do, we do oral sedations in the office. And then in some cases we actually take kids to the hospital, um, and treat them at the hospital with them completely under anesthesia. Um, usually reserved for very, very young kids or kids with special needs. Mm -hmm. Um, and we try to treat most of our patients in the office that we can. It, uh, we also, I try to spend as much time as I can with my patients. I don't, I don't try to run it to see as many patients as I possibly can in any given time frame, because it just, it not only is it just not conducive for the patients because the, I mean, kids, they need as much attention as they can get, but it also wears me out. Mm-hmm. Right? It, 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 if I have to sit there and just see a patient and not make a personal connection with them, then I feel like I'm just going through the day and just knocking over dominoes and not getting anything out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's how we've focused our practice. Um, I would tell you in terms of treatment, we're pretty conservative about how we do things. Uh, we, I don't know if, if you guys are aware, but, uh, there was, this was like five or six years ago, there was a product that came out. It's called silver diamine fluoride. We use that pretty religiously in our office. We've been using it since it came out. It, it's, uh, it, it's helped tremendously with kids who had just tiny, tiny little spots in their teeth. Mm-hmm. Cause in, it, it used to be before, if you had young kids that had tiny little spots in their teeth, I mean, you'd have to do fillings in them because the, especially in the molars, they don't usually fall out on boys or girls till they're 10 or 11 years old. And if you got a three-year-old, that's eight years. That cavity is going to bomb out and become something really bad very quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, But with this, uh, a lot of times we don't have to do that anymore. We can try and put this stuff on there and it's just a little paintbrush, really easy for the kids. Mm -hmm. Um, Other than the taste, it tastes kind of funny. But we just do that a couple times and then we just monitor it and just, it, it, a lot of times, as long as we can get some hygiene change as well, uh, we'll stop the decay from getting any worse. And then we just kind of leave it and watch it till it falls out, which is fantastic. So, so is this like a sealant? Uh, no, it's, it's the best way to describe the consistency of it is it's kind of like Origel. Mm-hmm. It's very, very thin. And so you take it and you put it on a little brush and then you just kind of put it in between the teeth. Mm-hmm. Uh, where the because most times, mo, not always, but most times with kids, when they're going to get cavities, they get them in between their teeth. Whereas adults, they'll get them on the tops of their teeth and in other areas. They usually get them in between teeth, and so it, we use that to get in to just kind of flow in between there and kind of the, not the word best word is staunch, but it's it kind of is like doing that. You're trying to just arrest all the bacteria that's in that spot. That way it forms like a barrier from other bacteria getting in there and restarting the cavity, basically. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say arrest, and I thought I was going to be smarter. I like, said, so then arrest the corrosion. <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, not to take the words out of your mouth. <laughs> you know. Well, I said corrosion, not bacteria. It's like rust for teeth. There you go. 
I know what that is because of Toy Story. Yeah. Or no, not Toy Story, Cars. <laughs> Rusty's yeah. medicated bumper ointment. We watch a lot of uh, kids' movies and TV shows in our office. I love kids' movies. I think they're awesome. You know, I really do. I watch them all. I hope time. Disney doesn't come down on me for that. I don't think so. Disney, listen, you guys want to sponsor the show. You want to get the word out. You need to take Ryan and Patrick and all of our families uh, to a wonderful Disney vacation, and we'll we'll give you the proper credit. I I will say I love some Disney World. You know, you go there. I don't want to know how much it costs. Uh, like at the end of it, they're like, "All right, here's your bill." I was like, "Don't even show me." Like I had a nice time. I had a nice week. Don't ruin it by telling me how much it costs. Um, but the level of service that they have um, and the whole experience there, wonderful. So we're looking at getting back to them. Um, also, no Disney planner. As a matter of fact, did you know that for Disney, that's just totally sidetracked, that they have Disney planners that work for free, right? Like Disney pays them and they love Disney, right? They're like, and they'll plan out your whole thing. So uh, Holly Ramey, um, is ours, uh, and she lives, uh, she's one of our neighbors, and she is, is terrific about it. Um, so big shout out to Holly Ramey and her husband, Mark, too. Um, thanks for listening to the show, guys. Um, so Disney, listen, all ears, please feel free to contact me if you want to be a sponsor. All right. So, um, going back to that, so you're kind of known in the community, right? sure. And so, when was the practice originally established? It was opened August 1st, 2009. 2009. So, yeah. so it'll be 12 years at the end of July. Right. And then now you have an office not just in Gainesville, but also in Flowery Branch. Correct. All right. So what what was behind the decision behind expansion? Uh, a friend of mine, he's an orthodontist up there. He had built a building because he was going to put his orthodontic practice in it. Mm-hmm. And he did so. And he, he had asked if I wanted to open a second office. Well, at the time, the Gainesville office where we were at was really, really full. And uh, I was like, well, I mean, why not try and, and start a second office? And uh, my wife was, was really, really instrumental in that decision. And then it came to realize that running two offices is very, very difficult. Um, so that, that took some time. And, and I also – I knew I wanted to get an associate – because I was saying the other office was very, very full. Um, and that also took some time too, was finding the right person key. that uh, I, I really thought could practice dentistry the same way that I do, because mm-hmm. uh, the, you've got to, you don't, you, you don't want to just, just pick somebody off the street and take them as a dentist because um, you want them to have the same mindset, the same compassion that you do that way. There's, very, very little discrepancies between how the patients are treated in the office. Sure. That makes, that makes total sense. And that's really probably the second biggest, you know, concern I hear from clients is finding, you know, quality associates, keeping the associates. And for, I think even pediatric, it's really different, especially in, you know, the South, not that it's not like that everywhere, but it's still Brian Vaughn, right? So in Brian Vaughn, they know you, yeah, they know kids dentistry in North Georgia, but you know, that's at one of the things I love about Georgia is that, well, you know, they, they know who you are, you know, and people do business with people that they want to be able to look you in the eyeball and shake your hand. Absolutely. Make sure you know what, know what you're talking about. Um, 
And so when you, when you have that going on, uh, then your it's your reputation. So they're a representative of you and doing so with kids too, in a clinical manner. Um, so I totally get that. So are you spending, so how's flowery branch doing then? So you start there from scratch, then what? Um, you know, I had, I could only devote so much time to the office at first because I had had the other office to attend to. And so we've grown it slowly over time. Um, but it's, it's doing really well. I mean, I can't, I can't complain, especially with, with, uh, my associate. It's, it's, we're running both offices pretty much, uh, full on for at least four days a week. And then we also are in the hospital a day a week. One of us is, Mm -hmm. um, because we, we also get a lot of patients coming from the health departments throughout the Northeast part of the state. Um, and the reason for that is that the state Medicaid system, there's not, there's very few pediatric dentists in the Northeast part of the state who take, Medicaid insurance. So like Blue Ridge, so up Correct. to Tacoa? Blue Ridge, Tacoa, Habersham, White County, uh, Franklin County, Union County, all of them. Mm-hmm. We, we get a lot of the patients that they see at the health departments there who, when they need treatment, they come down to see us. And so we, we, and a lot of times it's some really severe cases. And so we actually see them in the hospital setting to get them taken care of like two or three year olds that have 12 cavities, 15. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. So we, but, but it's, I see it, I see it more as a, this is what I'm doing for my community type of thing, because these patients need to be seen. Right. Um, and so we, we pick up as much slack as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things about pedos. I mean, I think that all, all, all doctors really have this to some degree or another, but it's um, more so. Um, uh, to a higher degree, what I'm about to say, the pediatric specialists do the work because they love the work. Um, and a lot of time, and so Medicaid is frequently part of that because they want to help the community. Sure. And then when from an insurance, I'm just going to circle back to that first from a standpoint, most of our pediatric specialist clients take Medicaid and then you're looking at the commercial PPO contracts and the, the, the theory or the school of thought, which is not totally wrong, I'll have to say, and it, sometimes I'll subscribe to it, but what will happen is that the commercial carriers will say, yeah, your client's on Medicaid, bud, you know, and so they're taking $20 for an evaluation. We're paying them 25. What's the problem? Yeah. You know, and so it, it becomes, you know, especially in a case like yours, it, we then it, it's really just a time roadblock where we then have to articulate. Um, Ryan's not doing it because Ryan uh, needs patients, you know, because that's the, they're like, well, they must need patients. Ryan's doing it because he wants to be treat the kids in his community, and that's why he's doing it. So he's losing money there, but we're not going to lose money over here with you guys. You're not going to be able to get to ride the, you know, 30 cents on the dollar train because you're not poor, you know, sure. Um, not singling out any carriers. Not today anyway. Yeah, no, I, that's, uh, with, um, I'm going to plug them as well, but that when, when we started working with practice quotient about eight years ago, that was, uh, it, they were a godsend because they, uh, um, they were able to help us do things that we were unable to do because we would contact the carriers and they'd be like, 
Yeah, no, you, you, you've got what you got and you, or what I, I mean, to be honest, it's the same thing I say to my kids, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. (laughs) (laughs) But, but when, when inflation hits and you're still making the same thing, then it's, it makes it a little bit more difficult because dental supply costs don't go down. Mm -hmm. They only go up. So Mm -hmm. it, it, it doesn't make it, it does make it difficult. So. Yeah, it does. So your experience with practice quotient, um, that was positive. So oh, absolutely. We've used them twice now. Oh, yeah. Terrific. Terrific. Glad to hear that. Appreciate the uh, the kind words about the work. It's one of the reasons why I do it, too. You know, it's um, certainly not on the cover of Fortune wearing mogul clothes. Not, <laughs> not yet. You sure you're not wearing them now, though? Uh, I borrowed this jacket. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so... But that can't, that's a, that's a, that's a, a drawback sometimes. So sure. with Medicaid, so now you're drawing from all over. So now the health departments know when to send your patients, but that like to be, you know, this is business radio. So, and I'm real familiar I'm with how it all works. Right. So that's not a profit center. That's not going to keep Ryan's five kids fed. Absolutely not. You know? And so now we're also having to build the reputation as the um, kind of place to go. Um, and do you, You've done a terrific job doing that over, you know, what, 11 years, 12 years, 12 years now. So, so a dozen years. Now you have an associate. Does having the associate allow Ryan Vaughn to take more vacations? You would think so. I would right? think so. And uh, I, I would tell you that I have, I do take more time away from the practice, but most of that time is, is either spent with the G, doing stuff for the GDA and helping them out. Um, it also gives me some time to do some of the administrative stuff around the office that needs to get done without having to worry about patients and doing it after hours. So that way I can spend more time with my family, which is the, that's the, a, the major key. Right. Yeah. So that's a, you know, I coach basketball now. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I've been doing it actually for, um, this is my fourth year and probably one of the most satisfying things I've, I've done in the past 10 years and I oh. built my own business and I've done a lot of stuff that I'm, I'm pleased with, but, um, like, that's been cool. Like I'm pretty excited. We got a game this Saturday. Um, oh, so there is a season. It, it, yeah, it's with we, we've had two games and Sweet. we have two more games. We're not going to do any makeup games. Um, and so you have to finish above 500 in order to make the playoffs. And so my kids are uh, fairly adept at math. Cherokee County Public Schools. Thank you. I said, so if we have one loss and one win and two games left, how many games do we need to win in order to have a winning record? And they're like, all of them, coach. <laughs> and I'm like, that's right. <laughs> winning is everything. Yes. <laughs> well, they don't like to lose. I'll tell you, those yeah. kids, they like to lose less than me. And I'm not, uh, I, I don't really approach anything to, to come out um, not victorious. Yeah, coach. I don't. Yeah. Just just say that. I have a whole lot. I didn't know anything about basketball four years ago. I didn't play basketball. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Uh, my wife is just like, you need to get out of the house and stop working so much and da, da, da. And so. Well, working with kids is satisfying for it, sure. It is. Yeah. It's, and I've learned a lot too about myself and also about patients, but just, it's, it's, it's been very gratifying. So, um, you know, I, I can see how that work would be a lot better than just, crunching numbers all day oh yeah you know like some people do um in arguing with other grown adults about things that should be just put right 
to stop wasting my time. Insurance companies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I feel the same way. Like I can, I can relate to children maybe because I have the mentality of a child. I don't know. But when I, when discussions with adults tend to go sideways, sometimes kids, they don't normally do that. That's why I like just kids. Mm-hmm. Kids, kids are typically easier. You know, I mean, they don't always understand what I'm saying. And that's why if I start losing an argument with a kid, I just start using really big words <laughs> that they don't yeah. know. <laughs> And then I'm like, yeah, it's how about that? You didn't know about that, did you? <laughs> I use my abu. I can't even say it. Um, you know, that, that's what I do. That's my, and if that doesn't work, if they actually do know the words, then I just start speaking a different language. Mm. Like, Which one do you usually default I, to? Uh, Portuguese or Spanish. Mm. Don't, but don't, a lot of kids know Spanish. They no. do. That's why I have that. That's why I have to have the Portuguese mm. as a backup. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I'm like, oh, yay. Yay, Belize. Mm-hmm. What? Cafe con leche. What do you know about that? Well, if you don't know about that, then well, you don't kids, have a leg to stand on, yeah, do you, kid? Yeah, that's right. So I do want. So there's. A, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, there was some recent legislation, one one, um, on the out of network surprise billing, which then the dentist got wrapped in on. Correct. Um, and so my. Give me your interpretation of it. Well, the surprise billing is is a, is a really hot button issue because what you have is, especially in the hospital settings, you'll have uh, you'll go in right, mm-hmm. and hospital um, medicine itself is very very segregated, and I don't mean that in terms of of a racial divide. I mean that in terms of there's a lot of different specialties. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so you've got doctors who specialize in very, very small niches. Um, and so you go into the hospital, right? And you have an ailment and you don't know what that is because you're the patient. And then you'll go into the ER and then you'll get shuttled somewhere else and then somewhere else and somewhere else. But you think that you're fully contained within the hospital setting. Mm-hmm. And so that every person who comes in there to see you for a different reason mm-hmm. to try and figure out what's wrong they will fall under the umbrella policy of the hospital itself. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily the case. And so suppose you're in certain instances, you cut, you go in there and then you have to go under anesthesia, but the anesthesia group that is at this hospital is not under the same umbrella policy of the hospital. Then you get a different bill from the anesthesiologist, which doesn't fall under your in-network fees or coverage with your insurance. Mm-hmm. And so that's what surprise billing is. Mm-hmm. And so you get another bill that's way outrageous because you weren't aware of it. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I mean, you're, you're not mentally 100% there because you're either in pain or something else is going on. Sure. Um, and so what the surprise billing was, was intended to do was to make it so that you that the patients are aware up front if there's any services that fall outside of the realm of the hospital fee structure for your insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, now, dentists got involved because there's there's a, some nuances there because there are dentists such as myself who do go into the hospital setting, mm-hmm. um, and so it, it was it was one of those issues where. Y- you, you, we don't want to, um, you're kind of having to work both sides here because at the same time, you're basically telling a group of, of people uh, or, or professionals that 
you are not going to be allowed to do this. And they're like, well, this is what the patient needs, right? Because you're, you're saying you're not, your your fees or your, your plan doesn't cover that. Correct. Right. And so you're like, well, I can't give the patient what they want because you're telling me I can't, I can't use my fees to do that with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it's, there's this fine line that you have to straddle. And I, I, to be honest with you, I think the bill that has come out, um, I thought the legislature at the, at the state Capitol did a very good job with it. To be perfectly honest. I, I thought it was fair. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, fairly clear and cause it, it, it is an issue, particularly in hospital settings. Absolutely. Now, you know, you know, Frank, on one hand, I'm like, you know, what does that have to do with the, you know, private practice, general dentist? This is, you're not talking about surprise bills, right? You're either sure. at a network. Um, at the same time, the docs that are fee for service only, right? There's, there's still plenty of them. Absolutely. In, in this state and really all over the country. Um, and they don't participate with any networks. And so, but, they already tell people they're like, I'm not in your network. Yes. You know? They tell them up front. You're right. Correct. You know? And in the great state of Georgia, in and out of network benefits have to be the same for all fully insured business, which not a lot of people know, which they really can thank the GDA. I hated that rule while I was still on the insurance company side, by the way. Yeah. I embrace it now. <laughs> yeah. So good job, GDA. Um, and there's only two states in the union that have it actually. So it's, it's Georgia and Texas. And so I feel like it's not that really big of a deal um, because I, f- I feel like the, the docs are doing it anyway. And so that that was my take on it. And there's also federal legislation. So it wouldn't have mattered what the, what the Georgia, what Georgia state did anyway, because very similar stuff is in, was in the federal COVID bill. Correct. Yeah. And uh, with that said, I, I, I'm in, very interested to see what becomes with the, the repeal of the McCarran-Ferguson Act. I, 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 I would like to see a lot more competition in the insurance industry, but I, I know insurance always tries to find a loophole. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll just give you my take on that. I don't for dental anyway. So for dental insurance, you know, I feel like that there was a, um, sort of a, a school of thought that everybody in the insurance industry are all friends and we're all getting together and, you know, smoky back, you know, smoking cigars, playing poker and plotting out the world domination. Um, <laughs> you know, that that's not the case. Uh, you know, so the, your competitor is your competitor, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's there, it's, it's not, it wasn't as, as open as, as I think that there was perceived. Um, so the impact of th- that, I, I I don't see it having anything profound. Now, I think it it doesn't hurt the provider community at all. Like don't sure. don't get me wrong, it definitely does not. Um, and so and it could have been used. It could, definitely could have been used. That exception could have been used as a shield, and maybe some things happened that I didn't know about. Um, but I can tell you that you know intellectual capital is guarded very, very closely oh, with, sure. within each organization, and it's not shared um, with those that wish to eat your lunch, which is your competitors, um, unless there is a very compelling reason to do so. Um, and well, now they can't. So, you know, what dental insurance isn't as complicated though. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there's all, there's a, there's another side to that, at least in my opinion, that, uh, 
uh, dental insurance has not changed much in the past 50 years. It's a very archaic system. Um, I mean, medicine, the insurance industry has evolved tremendously in that 50 years, whereas dental stayed pretty much the same. I mean, you have a thousand dollars maximum for most insurance policies. And, uh, but you know, as time goes by 50 years of 3% inflation, that's not going to get you as much as it used to. No, sure. Right. And, You're absolutely uh, right. and so there's a, there's a, I, I, I would like to see changes, but there's, I mean, there's only so much I can do. So yeah, there's a lot of chatter going on and it's more than chatter. Uh, that's not the appropriate word. There's a lot of effort initiatives and mental and financial energy being put into medical dental integration. Um, and so, Oh, sure. You know, I just did an interview with Mark Cooper, Dr. Mark Cooper out of Portland, uh, and he's doing a conference. Um, in fact, that, that show will post right before your show. Um, and so I, I, I'm listening to, to it. Um, we'll kind of see what happens. you know, have there been any medical, medical and dental integration, Efforts that you've seen that have directly impacted your care and or financing of the healthcare at your practice? Not yet. Um, I know that the ADA is making a strong push to try and to do get dental more integrated in the medical side because of like we like I previously just uh, mentioned in flyby that uh, I mean there's a lot that goes on with oral health that that is, continues on to the systemic sure. health as Absolutely. well. Um, and so that the ADA is, is really trying to push to have a very, a lot stronger collaboration with our medical colleagues. And, you know, I got a lot of that and I didn't really think that was as much of an issue when I was in residency, because I, I mean, I worked with the physicians down at Choa all the time and I was like, okay, we'll do this. Kids got, kid got just diagnosed with cancer. We got to make sure that their oral health is completely fine before they undergo a bone marrow transplant or anything. Cause if they don't right, any, anything that's in their mouth, if they have a small cavity, it's going to become an, an abscess and a cellulitis like that because they're, they have no immune system. Mm. And so there's a lot of, I mean, that's just one example of the collaborations we, we did all the time down there. Um, and I think that's very, very important. Um, for I mean, especially now with with uh, adults, especially uh, older populations, and all the systemic health problems that they have, that a lot of them don't seek dental care, and a lot of a lot of times, a lot of things can be caught um, if they go see their dentist along with their physician as well, and they and they talk and they collaborate together. Sure, absolutely, coordination of care, sure, continuity of care. Um, well, I'd like to thank you. We're going to have to wrap up today. Um, one last question, though. Who is your favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle? Oh, man. Really? That's an easy one. That's Donatello. Donatello. Uh, I grew up Donatello fan. I mean, just, yeah, absolutely. Because you had Leo, and he led the group, and Raphael was just, he was a live wire, and Mikey, he he didn't really care about anything. But kind Donnie, of an Yeah, but Donnie would always figure things out. That's mm-hmm. that's me. Just try to figure things out. I thought you were going to ask me about the Super Bowls, being as you're a Bucks fan. Unless you're going to root for Tampa or say nice things about Tampa, then we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'll keep my mouth shut then. <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've been rooting for that team for as long as I've been alive. Um, I don't blame you. I'm the same way. 
Uh, so it's it's tough because I live here in Atlanta, so it's not like people are walking oh, up. Oh, sure. Yeah, you know, we're in the same division. They're not like happy for me or anything. Yeah. You know? um, so, but I, I think they appreciate that versus you being a Saints fan because Atlanta really does not like New Orleans. I learned that the hard way by going to New Orleans, and I went to a NOLA uh, Atlanta game with somebody. Who, I was still a humanist, so we had a box, and I wore a Falcon. I bought a Falcon shirt, and a whole like. Let's just say that that environment was not hospitable. I had no idea. We, uh, I was, that was a, I was pretty much a brawl all day. Um, well, with that, uh, let me thank you, Dr. Ryan Vaughn. When people are trying to find you, if they want to find you, they want to talk about the Northern District of the GDA and or they have kids and they want quality of care in the Gainesville or Flowery Branch area of Georgia. How do they find Dr. Ryan Vaughn? Well, you can just go on and search Kids Dentistry of North Georgia. Um, the telephone number is, is 678-450-7011. Um, and in our, we have a website. It's kidsdentistrynoga.com. And uh, if you have any questions for me about the GDA or anything like that, you can reach me at the office or you can call the GDA direct. Um, and their number is listed on the website. I think it's 404 636 if I remember correctly. That's pretty good. Pretty um, good memory. Well, I call them or they call me quite often cause we, we talk a lot. So, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, if, if you're ever in need of anything, um, I'll be here. So. All right. Very good. Well, I appreciate you coming by to chat with me and I'm sure our listeners appreciate you. I also appreciate John Ray, our producer, um, absolutely doing a terrific job as always trying to keep my phone silent for whatever reason i don't know why it's going off like that yeah uh, and i'd also like to thank our sponsor practice quotient practice quotient ppo negotiations and analysis they're a national firm got clients from uh, you know anchorage la to miami to new york our, we are headquartered right here in atlanta georgia uh, representing top tier providers we're a bridge between the provider and the payer community they do an awesome job Thank you, Ryan. I appreciate that. I did not pay him either. All right. So with that, until next time. All right. Thanks. Thanks.